tea back there before. I mean, the rules are for bending there. Mr. Pop. Eat. Hello, you're listening to KAOP. My name is Danny, and this is Absence on Purpose, a weekly radio show that brings you the DIY of the Pacific Northwest. As always, with me is Daniel. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing, Daniel? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Anything uh, interesting going on in your world? Hey, I didn't sleep much last night. I'm, I'm living on coffee right now. What have you been doing? Why were you up so late? I, I just stay up watching Dead Sci-Fi. Oh, what were you watching last night? I don't know the name of it. Okay. But there were kind of zombies, maybe, maybe from another planet. What channel are you watching this on? The Comet. The Comet? What or is, is the it com- just called Comet, I think? It's, it's just a bad sci-fi channel. It's on the regular airwaves, you know, oh. you can tune into those regular airwaves these days. Uh, I'll have to check that out. That sounds really interesting. <laughs> yeah, you really should. <laughs> How are you doing, Dan? You know, uh, it's doing pretty good. You know, uh, the store—it's—it's uh, it's summertime, so at the record store, we're getting a lot of tourists. And I have to admit that there, there's like there's one like kind of group of people that I'm prejudiced against, and it's blonde families. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, <laughs> but when a blonde like a, I, and it's not even the parents, it's the kids. But so we get a lot of like European, uh, and especially like you know. Um, from like the northern regions of Europe, mm. Scandinavian countries, Scandinavian mm-hmm. countries, they come in and just seeing these like, like young boys with like perfectly combed blonde hair and their shirts tucked in, like looking for Nirvana bootlegs. It just it feels really weird, and I think maybe I've said this to you before, but there's one part in uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas when uh, Hunter S. Thompson goes to uh, Circus Circus and he says, "This is what the whole hep world would be doing if the Nazis had won the war." <laughs> And just seeing these, like, very Aryan people looking for, like, you know, like, Pearl Jam t-shirts and stuff, mm-hmm. this makes me think of, like, this is what the whole hep world would have been doing if the Nazis would have won the war. <laughs> but that's how my summer's going. Uh, it's good to be back. We were off the air for a while. Got all the legal problems taken care of. Uh, we have our transmitters up and running. And I'm checking the meters. We're about, at, like, 88 watts of power. Uh, so we're probably... We're probably reaching Bellevue at this point. Yeah, that's a good a good fistful of power. You that's got. a good fistful of power. Uh, I'm really excited uh, for this week's guest. Uh, a little bit of a little bit of, of uh, bringing the competition in, but uh, we have Brittany Fuller, who is a, a DJ, a writer, and a booker, and the person who is a, a driving force behind Hollow Earth Radio. Hello, everyone. It's good to be here today. Uh, how are you doing today? I am just peachy. <laughs> uh, so I think I think you're the first radio person that we've had on the show, which uh, oh, I think that's I, right. It's making me nervous. Wait, I say, I say, like I always say, that's right. But you <laughs> have probably not even listened to like, a quarter of all the episodes. Hey, I can assume. You can assume. Are uh, you not radio people then? Uh, I guess it's just we're bringing in the competition. I feel like everyone's after they listen to this, they're gonna reprogram their uh, like their their car buttons and take off KAOP and just put on Hollow Earth Radio. Yeah. So, anyways, for our listeners who don't know, can you explain what Hollow Earth Radio is? Hollow Earth is a community-run DIY station located in the Central District at. Mm-hmm. 20th and Union, if you want to come stop by and visit us, we're adjoined with 2020 Cycle, um, a fabulous bike shop as well. But yeah, basically we strive to represent um, the underrepresented. Um, So our mission is to explore local music and music that's just not getting aired anywhere else. And we strive to especially support um, the community we're located in the Central District and um, just a support to marginalized communities in Seattle. So you folks start off as an online-only station, right? Yeah, um, the but, station. But, but then, but then things really kicked up. Yeah, so I've been involved since 2010. So I'm definitely have been around for a while now. Um, but uh, the radio was founded in 2007 by Garrett Kelly and his wife 
or future wife at the time, Amber. And they actually uh, started it in their attic in Wallingford. So humble beginnings in the attic and it moved to our public space that they're in right now um, in the central district in 2010, I believe it was the summer that year. And <laughs> that summer I was like frantically emailing them like, hey, how do I get involved? Like I want to volunteer because I had um, been involved with college radio at UW and I just fell in love with radio immediately and wanted to continue because I was about to graduate. So um, I was really trying to volunteer there, but they were too busy <laughs> moving. Um, I, I like the idea of <laughs> being too busy for volunteers, <laughs> which I can understand, but it just sounds funny. Yeah, we're a funny bunch. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've been in, in the public space in the Central District since 2010, and we were online only um, up until actually quite recently, until last September, so 2017, and we were approved for the low power FM license, I believe, in 2014. So it was a it was a long, steady haul to get to the place we're at right now, which is actually on the dial. Um, if you're unfamiliar with low power FM, I don't know wait, if I'm wait, just like wait. driving forward, just like answering all your questions at once right now. Uh, no, it's, it's, trust me, people want to hear at least of me possible. <laughs> I think uh, our listeners would prefer if I just write out all the questions and hand them to you and let you have the mic and I like leave. Just <laughs> soliloquy. Yeah. It's like... uh, but no, yes, explain the low power FM because uh, that was something new in the United States and you folks were like part of the first wave, right? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not been around for a huge amount of time. I can't claim to be an expert in like the history of low power FM and really how it, it came it, to be but, but in, uh, in a nutshell it's just oh yeah so <laughs> what that is right uh, so OPFM as it's sometimes called um, so we have a low power frequency which means that it's on the FM dial like many large commercial stations but we're different than those stations because our antenna is really small and <laughs> so basically we have this tiny antenna tiny and mighty um, <laughs> on top of uh, our building actually we had we spent years trying to find the perfect spot to put this antenna and it ended up being right above us the entire time um, so it can, can depend on a lot of things um, because it's a low power frequency, um, basically environmental factors will get in the way more. Um, so it can be on a hill or like the hills can interfere with <laughs> getting reception or weirdly shaped buildings. Like there are all sorts of factors that come into play with who we reach and like our uh, scope essentially with the frequency. But um, yeah, it's also just because the antenna is not as powerful. Um, so we are on the FM dial, but like in certain hyper-local senses in Seattle. So we reach as far as like Bellevue and like Columbia City. Um, I'm not sure about like West Seattle or anything. I think it kind of is up in the air and depends on a lot of things. Has, 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 has anyone ever like gotten into a car, read Hollyworth Radio, and then tuned in and has driven straight to see at what point does it like conk out the signal we've had some experiments definitely some people have volunteered also just to like kind of map out our reception yeah well okay, but but it'll, it'll be changed by like weather i mean want to just like change but yeah it, it's yeah. it seems like kind of moot essentially yeah. because you're never going to be able to find like a concrete answer mm -hmm. like the thing i always tell people is just like give it you know give it a shot <laughs> I don't really know. You could be like a block away and not get receptions for some funky reason. And like, you could be in, I don't know, Tequila. And for some reason, it's like bouncing off of, I don't, I don't know how that works. It's too sciencey. Your, uh, your, <laughs> your head could be wrapped in tinfoil. You could be getting a better Ooh, reception. That would be much better reception. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Depends on your <laughs> So can, can you see the antenna from the street or is it hidden? You can kind of see it. Yeah, you kind of have to step back from the building. It's not like, super in your face, you know. It's a modest antenna. Mm -hmm. Did you build it or did you buy it? 
Like, oh. How do you get, like, what's the antenna made out of? So, yeah, it was definitely custom made. Oh, okay. It's not, it's not like a radio antenna store or anything. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe like, like, like a, a, a monopolized man- manufacturer of. Or like some radio, radio station in, you know, in Iowa shuts down and they put the thing on eBay. Mm. You know, I mean, I never looked into that or anything. I wasn't really involved in, like, the building of the antenna or the like, technical element, but we definitely we had some volunteers um, who. Came. Now they're ready for the volunteers. Yeah, be, <laughs> when Brittany wanted to do it, no one wanted to take the volunteers, but now that we need an antenna, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we had some people that had worked with uh, various burgeoning LPFMs across the country come in to help us, and uh, it took a really long time. And we were actually building the antenna right up until the wire, like. It was like a day before, like there was still like all sorts of troubleshooting going on, and Garrett was on the roof with these people like every day, all day, and um, yeah, there was like all sorts of like <laughs> welding and like soldering equipment and whatnot. I don't know, power tools yeah. in in the studio for like a couple weeks. I was just like I was like stepping over like saws and stuff to get into my show. Well, now, now I've but heard I, some of the shows on Hollow Earth Radio. Did you just have the mics on recording those power saws <laughs> and then call it a noise show? You know, I play a lot of industrial music on my show, so... But other shows. I, I would have... Yeah. yeah, it would have tied in pre- pretty well. Yeah, there, were, there were some sounds, actually. Uh, there, yeah. And some of my air breaks at one show. But uh, that was it. But yeah, so uh, it was it was definitely an ordeal just building the antenna, and I believe it cost upwards of like thirty thousand dollars. Crazy. So yeah, it was a time-consuming and expensive endeavor for sure. So one quick question about the station as a whole. So it was back when it was internet only. They always went by the initials H E H E R Hollow Earth Radio, but your call sign is. K-H-U-H? Why? Do you know why that happened? Yeah, so basically, I mean, we wanted K-H-E-R, K-H-E-R, <laughs> but um, it was already taken. Oh. I'm not actually sure what station that is. I'll okay. look it up. But um, yeah, there are lots of them that were just already taken. Like, I guess there are lots of radio stations. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Makes sense. So, so yeah, does that, the H-U-H stand for anything, or you just kind of picked it? You know, I wasn't involved with that okay. decision. I, I think Garrett just picked it. But yeah. It makes sense. It fits the station, huh? huh. Like uh, it's yeah. like no, it, yeah. it, it's good. It's just, well, there's was, a question was... mark after it on some some things I've seen. Huh? Yeah, I mean, we want you to question things and just tune in and be like, "What the heck did I just get into?" Like, we really love the idea of like just random people like flipping the dial and just stumbling on us and being like, "I've never heard anything like this before." Yeah. Uh, yeah, usually when I'm in like on road trips and stuff, I try to spend a fair amount of time just searching out stations. Oh, I love spinning that dial. It's usually just like crazy Christian guys yelling. <laughs> is, is what I'm doing Welcome fun. to America. I know. See, I, I I I enjoy that, but some of the people I go on road trips are like, okay, it's been it's been yeah. a half hour. We, we've had enough. Uh, we've been through Jesus's walk through the Valley of Doubt enough. Like, let's move on. Yeah, tune in that Zeppelin. God, I fucking hate classic rock so much. Uh, so you're I mean, sh- like '90s rock is like classic it's rock classic now. Rock. You it like is, tune yeah. into one of those stations that are playing like Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. Nope, I won't. <laughs> I mean, uh, still no. <laughs> so, oh, what's what's the station? What's the the? Uh, it's one oh. Oh right, that would be helpful to mention. Yeah. It's one oh four point nine FM. So I will now take this opportunity to talk about the history of that number because it's pretty entertaining. Great. Uh, (laughs) I I didn't even know there was. Uh, Please. Well, I mean, okay, so I am basically a a lifelong Washington resident. Like, I've lived here most of my life, right? So I grew up listening to commercial radio around this area. And (laughs) so my parents listened to really horrible commercial rock music when I was growing up. And uh, the station for that was 104.9 FM. Funky Monkey. Funky Monkey. And uh, they played, you know, your Godsmack, your System of a Down, your Creed, just like whatever. Not actual actual funk, so. Definitely not funky. Um, Just, yeah, sort of like. Wait, is that an ice cream? Post grunge, like. Chunky Monkey, sorry. (laughs) I was wondering if they named the radio station after their favorite ice cream. cream After the radio station. It's Chunky Monkey. I'm sorry, continue. It's okay. Um, So yeah, essentially on that station, and the death of all rock music came. Like, commercial rock was no more 
and that was the era that killed it, right? Yeah. Um, so you seem really happy about that. By the way. <laughs> um, Dancing on their. <laughs> I mean, I think we can all be a little excited after I don't know that era of just like really horrible rock music. It's like okay, it's time for this to end, at least for now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of like what I associated that number with. Um, so when I heard that we were getting that number, I was just like, oh, like, isn't that like that weird rock station? Yeah. Um, but they haven't actually had it for several years, um, which, I mean, Nobody again, the death of commercial <laughs> rock music, right? Well, what would be great if, if someone was really into that when it was on, and then they moved away, and they're like, then they come back, and like, oh, I'm back, glad to be back in Seattle, I'm gonna get my funky monkey on, and they turn, and it's, uh, it's, like, it, so it's the different. secret meeting of things. Instead, they're very disappointed. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But actually, so after that, um, it was a Cube. So they moved from 93.3, which was their call number forever, yeah. and uh, they moved to that. But they were broadcasting out of Tacoma, so they actually let us have the, the number up here because they didn't yeah. get reception. Yeah. But uh, on the sort of like edges of where you would get reception for our signal and theirs um they would sort of blend together so some oh. people were reporting like hey i'm trying to tune in but it sounds like three radio stations on top of each other That's or awesome. like people would write yeah, us and be like, like yeah. why is my uh, <laughs> why is my rap getting mixed with sex pistols but they were like into it yeah. but um so yeah that was actually uh they moved back to 93.3 recently and now we share the number with a contemporary christian station so are you are you worried at all that they're gonna like beef up their signal to like knock you out? Oh, you know I I don't think there was as much as crossover yeah. with where, their signal. Do um, you know where they're based at? Uh, you know. Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty faint from here. But uh, <laughs> you, you you on April Fool's Day you two should just swap DJs and just like to, like do sets on the other one station. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I not like that suggestion. I don't think we've interacted with them at all. Okay. I think we're just like sure agreeing to like cool. ignore each other's yeah. existence at this yeah. point. I bet they're fine. <laughs> so the secret, the secret meaning of things. Um, can you tell our audience what it's on and what they will hear? Yeah. So my my show, your show, the yes. secret meaning of things is every Tuesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific time. And it is all about essentially weird 80s music. And now is where I go into a long list of subgenres that some people Please, may no, care about. Uh, and if you do, can you do me a favor? Can you throw in one fake one? And if any of our listeners uh, can guess what the fake one is, email uh, accentsonpurposepodcast at gmail.com. And if you get the right one, uh, I will send you a special present. Wow, okay, that's quite a deal there. Um, so, my show focuses on post-punk, new wave, uh, synth-pop, industrial EBM, <laughs> uh, minimal wave, um, I, sometimes I play like jangly, sort of proto-indie-pop, um, sort of C86 style stuff, and uh, yeah, I'm basically just all over the place, but essentially my focus is underground and underrepresented music from the 80s. I just try to pull as much as possible um, from different places that aren't getting represented and um, just like weird sounds from around the world. Um, I play a lot of like, I don't know, UK music or like European music, but uh, I definitely try to pull from as wide a variety as possible and sorry I totally didn't make up a genre those were all real <laughs> or were they <laughs> uh, what what formats are you playing when you're on um, radio so basically I just play whatever I can get my hands on like um, I feel like it would it would cost me thousands of dollars a month to do it like all vinyl essentially because so much of the stuff that I'm playing is just like ultra rare at this point because um, I've pretty much exclusively only play 80s music or like late 70s to late 80s is my general time frame but um yeah some of the things that i i find just like there's never going to be a chance i'll ever find them like physically like or like i'll find them on discogs.com my favorite website and uh (laughs) they'll be like 500 dollars or like my favorite is last sold ever oh yeah 
Oh yeah. If 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 someone let's say someone has a job where uh, from Tuesday night from ten to midnight they they can't be near a radio. Is there another way they can hear your show? Yeah. Um, so essentially, it's online all the time and on the dial. So you can reach us at hollowearthradio.org twenty four seven, and also on the dial one hundred point nine FM. But I'd say most people listen to my show neither of those ways, and instead on Mixcloud. So I have a pretty extensive archive up there of my show for at least the past couple years. Um, I've been doing my show since 2011, so it's pretty long-running at this point. I've been doing it to a variety of uh, degrees, so there was a time when I did it every other week or like like once a month when I was super busy or something. and. I don't know. It's it's taken a, a long, a long journey. Essentially, like um, I didn't have any listeners for years, so I was just kind of like doing it for fun for myself. Like or like a few people on the internet would like reach out to me or like stumble on it some weird way and be like, "Oh wow, this is really cool." But it wasn't like I had like a like a fan base or anything. Um, is it is it is it just your show exactly the way it is? Uh, like a file of it or do you like mess with it afterwards you know I, t- I take out a few of the the words uh i when used you, to when you, when you cry on the radio, when, <laughs> when a song has brought you to tears and you have to i would it. definitely leave that in for sure. <laughs> but um maybe yeah i mean occasionally there'll be like a weird hiccup like our whole setup at hollow earth is very diy with our equipment <laughs> this may be shocking, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so things, you know, they break sometimes, you got to troubleshoot, um, there are weird pauses, or, you know, the mic is literally held together with highlighters and like, mm. a, like a post-it pad, like sometimes. <laughs> this is also a good good time for me to plea to, vol- <laughs> to donate to Hollow Earth Radio, <laughs> weird uh we actually just started a membership program and hopes to create a more regular income for the station. But yeah, we mostly run on city grants right now. But uh, yeah, my listener dollars. support. Oh, my tax dollars at work. <laughs> Are you? Uh, do you want to talk about Garrett's mailbox? Is yes. that part of the membership thing? Um, yeah, so twin boxes. Uh, yes, I'll give the spiel now. Um, so we have a giant prop from Twin Peaks living in the studio right now um, in our like common space area. But <laughs> at first I was like, why do we have this? Like it's, ta- so it's taking so- up like a quarter of our space. But <laughs> right, right. Uh, so we have a prop from Twin Peaks that was in the Great Northern Hotel and it is the mailbox center. Um, that was in the original Twin Peaks. So if you're a fan of Twin Peaks and want to get spooky, you can become a member and get your own twin, bo- twin box. <laughs> and in that twin box, we will put strange objects and mail for you. So you can stop by this, the studio and check your mail analog style instead of emails, right? Personal interaction. <laughs> I, I am I am a huge huge fan of mail, and so mm-hmm. uh, I, I I love this idea. Um, so besides the radio shows, you folks also have show bands play there. Yeah, so I'm our booking coordinator at the station. Did, so. you, did you get that by choice, or was it thrust upon you? <laughs> uh, by choice, yeah. I mean, I was involved with booking there several years ago. Um, I was booking a lot more shows just in the community about like 2011, 2012. I lived at New Crompton in the U District and that was sort of my introduction to DIY spaces. And um, I booked some shows there and I lived at a Healthy Times Fun Club for approximately like three months and just experienced its complete downfall. Was it <laughs> like, the last three months or just It was months? the last three months, okay. yeah. So I got there and it was just like a mess immediately. Like 
um, we got bed bugs almost immediately, like in the room. Almost like, immediately after you moved yeah. in. Well, <laughs> oh, that's very. They were headquartered in the makeshift room adjoined to mine. It was a roommate that had just like gotten back from vacation, and had like stayed in like a seedy hotel or whatever. Yeah, like but uh, bed bug headquarters. <laughs> I do not. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely. The, the difference between someone who's lived someplace with bed bugs. Bed bugs. Oh, yeah, okay. But only in New York. I feel like they stay over there. Oh, no. They're <laughs> plentiful in Seattle. Uh, yeah, My building fine. actually right now had a bed bug scare a few months ago. Oh. And I was like, just like taping everything up and just like, you know, preparing for bed bug opalypse. But uh, they didn't get to my apartment. But anyway, oh. yeah. So <laughs> I wonder what, I wonder what would happen if they saw bed bugs on a plane. Would they like would they, they would, quarantine would, the plane? Like, quarantine, yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry. So continue. So, uh... okay, right. So, Healthy Time Fun Club. Uh, yeah, I got to book one show there be- show before its it? demise, and uh, it, it was it was like a friend show. It was just okay. a bunch of my friends' bands, <laughs> but it, it was a uh, 23. It was Alex Miranda. Um, he's an underpass now, which is okay. like a, sort of like very cure inspired post-punk band they opened for modern english here a couple years ago but yeah um and who else played that show gosh it was such a long time ago um i i honestly don't remember who else played that How but um it was good yeah i mean it was like the the final week we were just trying to pack shows in every day because we just wanted to use the space for as long as we could it was all very sad but um yeah, that was also the first DIY space I had ever gone to. I stumbled on it when I, like, my first year of college at UW. So it was, it was a special space to me. I just remember you, you, you were looking for the skateboarding store. This <laughs> somebody brought me there, which was like, okay. I don't know, a way you find out about these yeah. spaces, right? Just word of mouth. But uh, yeah, I definitely remember just like, walking down those stairs and being like, "What is this? Like, I've never seen anything like this in my life." Like. I had never, yeah. Have you ever smelled anything like that? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Health we we smelled fine, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I booked very briefly there, and then also at the the Rat and Raven in the U District, <laughs> I had a, a brief stint in bar booking. So I did some all ages shows there, like matinee shows, but uh, also just like bar shows. And that was very short-lived and, like, shut down months later. And then I went over to Hollow Earth after that and booked, like, for maybe a year. And then I took several years off from booking and then got tired of not doing that. So, yeah, I missed it and came back to booking at Hollow Earth. And, yeah, for the past year, I've been running our booking program and just bringing in local and touring bands and broadcasting them on the radio. Yeah. Um, if I was in a band and I was going to play at Hollow Earth Radio and I started playing a cover, what would you do? Um, I would stop the broadcast. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a legal thing. Yeah, I know. It's just, I, I mean, I know the reason it's just funny because there's that giant, giant sign that says no covers. <laughs> and I always like, every time I'm there for a show, I'm just like, I'm just waiting for a band to just like, to start doing it. I mean, Has I wouldn't like pull the plug or anything. Like, they can play the cover. You know how gas stations have that like emergency button yeah. that shuts off all the pumps? I'm imagining at the door there's like an emergency, like, <laughs> like all the power, like everything would just shut down. Yeah, I definitely tried to give everyone the spiel of what they can and cannot do legally before they play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a weird royalties thing with ASCAP and BMI and all the yeah. the blood sucking rights royalties companies. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> They're not very nice to community radio stations. I'll just say sure. that. They're constantly sending us mail but yeah i'll stop talking about that now they're probably yeah. listening to me right now <laughs> do 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 you think was listening <laughs> seriously do you think bmi would get a twin box just to just keep tabs on you <laughs> you know i wouldn't put it past them uh, look, look, someone named uh, benjamin martin uh, irving uh, wants to get a twin box <laughs> sketch <laughs> Uh, what are some of the shows that are coming up at Hollow Earth Radio? So there's actually, I mean, I don't know when this is going to air. It's not going to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the one tonight looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> there is one tonight, yeah. <laughs> but irrelevant to listeners. In the past now, mm-hmm. quid quo, 
is playing tonight with Hip Priest from Long Beach and uh, Zers, I think is how you say it. There's an X. Who knows what to do with that? But um, I think that's right. <laughs> feels right. Right. Feels right. Um, exactly. And then, yeah, next Friday uh, we have, oh boy, you're testing my, my skills of it's, mem- it's, <laughs> memory right now, remembering things. Yeah, let's pull up Facebook. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I booked these shows, so I should technically yeah. remember, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, next Friday we have Cool Flowers from Portland and Way Worse also from Portland. And uh, Baus from Oakland and Slow Elk, who are a local band. And then we have the uh, co-founder album release with Strawberry Mountain and uh, Hello, Sorry, and another band I can't remember the next night. <laughs> well, so, I mean, that's, that's, you know, I feel that, you know, we didn't really dive into uh, the secret meaning of things. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about that? Uh, you should listen to it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, have you gotten any like contact from people who've heard it, like out of like anyone like internationally or anything out of? Oh, look Ooh. at that! You... <laughs> so yeah, so it's been it's been a hard hard struggle, you know. Community radio, DIY radio. You're usually broadcasting to like a couple people. Maybe your mom is tuning in. Yeah couple of your friends you know you post it on facebook you want people to tune in but <laughs> you know there's a lot of pushback people have got other things they've got their i don't know uh, podcasts yeah right. oh gosh yeah sure, so many works. podcasts yeah. uh, but you know they have their automated playlists and their machines doing all the work for them so i feel like there's kind of a i mean i think it's a special relationship with like live radio and just a human generated content you know you have someone actually thinking about things they've they put care and love into their selections and art and algorithm personality exactly algorithms have zero personality yeah definitely robots are taking over the world but we'd like radio to be human generated still at least i would um so (laughs) right so uh yeah, for a while I didn't have many listeners, but the past couple of years, especially since I've been really um, steadfastly archiving my show on, on the internet, um, I've kept a blog for my show for years, but really Mixcloud changed things for me just with having a listenership at all, um, which was it was perfect timing really because I was just like feeling very low and just like no one even cares about the show. Like I put so much work and like time into it every week. And I feel like it's really good and people should be listening. Um, but I, I feel like that's a, it's a really common feeling <laughs> with, a, I don't know, non-commercial radio. I mean, with the support of a bigger station, you get an autom- automatic listenership, essentially. But uh, without that <laughs> money-feeling things, right, you're kind of more on your own to do your self-promo. But anyhow, yeah, so I have a, I've recently experienced, like, a sort of alarming amount of interest in my show like it was like all I wanted for years was for listeners and then once I got them I was like whoa okay I'm gonna take a step back now like who are these people (laughs) (laughs) exactly um so yeah it's mostly people in Europe and I think primarily because uh mixed cloud is really popular there I don't think it's as big in the United States yeah not yet it's all about SoundCloud here but uh (laughs) yeah so uh yeah, most of my listeners are in Europe, and they send me messages all the time, and some of them are, are really sweet and nice, uh, <laughs> but they will actually, like, find me on every social media platform. Like, yeah, that was kind of the point where I was like, whoa, maybe I need to, like, take my real name off of this. Yeah. Like, um, Mixcloud made an ad of my, like, for my radio show with my face on it, mm-hmm. and so they had reached out to me um, to do promo for my show because I guess someone there found it somehow and liked it, which mm-hmm. was like surprising. You know, I get this email and like Miss Clouds, what? Like, wh- why are they emailing me? But um, yeah, so they reached out and asked if they could do some promo for my show, and I said yes, of course, like obviously, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that resulted in. Uh, this ad being made i just stumbled on it and it was like britney fuller presents the secret meaning of things <laughs> a post-punk new wave and synth pop radio show um so that was um uh, definitely a, a big drive for new listeners like 
I was essentially like the face of Mixcloud for a couple months, which was like Whoa. sort of eerie. Like yeah. coworkers were like taking screenshots and like oh, sending yeah. me like, "This is you." Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. But um. So we do any European post punk bands send you their stuff and like, hey, can you play? Oh me? my god, it's been getting over the top lately. Like everyone has been sending you their MP3s, and I'm just like. I feel bad because honestly, I don't really play that much new music on my show at all. Like it's but I mean, mostly that's, that's 80s. like your show. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. Like my show is I actually play stuff from the eighties, not stuff that's like I do yet. play new stuff sometimes. That's you know, yeah. revival or derivative somehow, or you know, inspired by those things. But um, yeah, definitely most of the music I play is from the eighties. Um, yeah, I mean, people can send me things. I just. <laughs> I don't honestly have time to listen to it all. It's it's a weird point of tension for me because I'm like, I want to be friendly. I'm glad that people are reaching out and they're interested, but I just don't have the time. <laughs> hey, if, you want some okay. in, if you want some interns, Daniel has uh, <laughs> some spare time. You want to sift through the, <laughs> the uh, fad gadget stripper vampire remix? <laughs> I, that's actually Wait, something well, sent, hey, someone sent me. You can send some demos over to 2020. <laughs> I can listen to them at the bike shop and get oh. huh? There we go. Uh, but yeah, so I do have some listeners now, and I get fan mail on a regular basis on, like, again, literally every platform. Some, most of the time it's really friendly and nice. Sometimes it's a little creepy. Like, I got a, like, you know, your voice is so sexy, or like, uh, <laughs> yeah, gross. Or like, um, or like you were sent here from heaven onto my doorstep and I was just like you know I'm really glad your doorstep is an ocean away from me right now that's pretty good so besides being uh, a DJ and booking shows you're also a writer and you write for The Stranger you write the underage column I did. Um, so, no more. <laughs> right. So I wrote the column from 2011. I believe I started it in November of that year, and uh, it was essentially canceled or just taken <laughs> taken out of yeah. the paper in uh, October 2014. So I wrote it for about three years. But you and, still write for the stranger, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. that was a preview to pre- previews of all ages shows. Um, and I just wrote little blurbs, writing about mostly local bands, but uh, sometimes, you know, bigger shows as well. Just all ages was the real only guidance there. Um, but yeah, now I write about just shows happening. Generally, a lot of uh, 80s, like post-punk and new wave revival bands. I write a lot of those. Or, I don't know, just kind of whatever I'm feeling. Like I wrote about the Melvins show the other week. And like the English beat, so yeah, New Wave revival, but uh, <laughs> or not revival, reunion, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just uh, write little blurbs in the music things to do section, formerly known as up and coming. Who 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 makes better records? Who 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 do you enjoy listening to more? The band Crime or Carly Simon? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Those are, those are not two artists I would have pinned together in any sort of way. Really? There, there's one way that those two are, those two artists are pinned together. I'm surprised. You're not going to tell me? I have to guess. Um, <laughs> both of those songs were covered uh, by Clearinghouse on 23 Minutes Over Ballard. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't even know we were covering those things oh, at the okay. time. Would well, you want to explain we were... who Clearinghouse was? <laughs> right. And uh, what 23 Minutes uh, Over Ballard was? Sure, yeah. So Clearinghouse was a band that I was in with uh, Smitty from uh, Mr. Up in the Calculations in the early 80s anyway. Uh, it was a like a sort of proto-grunge, weird punk band that he was in out of high school with Mark Arm and Steve Turner, now of Mudhoney. Um, and Garrett Kelly, who founded... The radio, um, he was playing drums, and uh, Eric Ostrowski, who is like a sort of legendary, yeah, yeah, Eric, legendary uh, noise musician. He was a noggin in the 90s and toured with Harry Pussy and did all sorts of cool things he won't talk about, but <laughs> yeah, um, so we were just like an improv noise band and definitely had some like no wave elements. 
um, and you play noise rock, if you will. <laughs> and you played oh, sax. Oh, right. You're... I should mention that. Yeah. I was in the band, too. <laughs> I, I played saxophone uh, through a bunch of effects, essentially. Um, like, I, I did without effects sometimes, but <laughs> I, I played it mostly like a bass and would just, like, con- consistently confuse people. Um, oftentimes, they didn't think I was doing anything, or they were just, like... They were just so confused. They were like, how are you even making sound? Because I didn't play the saxophone, like, traditionally, like, with my mouth on the mouthpiece or anything, like, blowing air through it. Um, Well, I did that sometimes, but essentially I used the body of the instrument as a vessel for feedback. So I would use, like, fingerings and everything. I would sort of, like, use the the air between the keys to create different tones. Um, and sometimes I would use, like, I'd blow into it as well. But um, just uh, putting that through various effects and then just, like, creating, like, sort of multiphonic tones. I'm getting really nerdy right now. Uh, you should see but, our audience. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I used, like, an octave pedal to, like, split the frequency. Um so I had, like, a very, like, bass tone, but it was also had, like, sort of a multi-dimensional sound to it. Yeah. It was very crunchy, and um, I, so I played bass lines and just, like, weird, like, sort of synthy sounds, but I was playing saxophone, so, yeah, no one understood what was going on there. <laughs> but a lot of that was, I feel like, oh, you're a woman, like, I got a lot of, like, can you actually play the saxophone? Ooh, it's like... Ouch. Yeah, actually, I've played some of the hardest music ever written for saxophone. Cause I've, uh, yeah, I studied it like when I was growing up and everything, and I've been playing since I was like eleven. But uh, so I imagine you still play the saxophone. <laughs> I mean, I I really prefer to play it in like a really experimental sense. Like there was a while where I just like there's only so many like concertos with like really fast notes and like I don't know stuff that you can do like feel good about. It just wasn't doing it for me anymore and. I just wanted to play music that felt good to play, even if no one really understood or cared about it. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the struggle and of joy, or sorry, the struggle of noise music, essentially. Like, you get this sort of cathartic feel from it, and you feel like you're creating something that's meaningful, or at least you hope to, but it's, I feel like it's harder for other people to get because <laughs> they don't have, you know, the conventional sense of, like, melodies and rhythms to cling on to with song structures and whatnot. But anyhow, yeah, noise sax. <laughs> <laughs> so now, Brittany, sometimes you step out of the radio station and you go and do live DJing. Uh, how, is that, how is that different? How, how, does, is it, how does it make you feel? Yeah, so I pretty much stayed in the booth for many years, and I kind of, like, dabbled in live DJing. Started in, like, 2012. I did one set with uh, DJ Dominica, who was formerly of Hollow Earth Radio, and uh, at Electric Tea Garden. <laughs> that was, like, my, my big debut, and, like, I was really excited to play there. But, um, yeah, so in the past couple years, um, I've definitely stepped up my involvement in the world of live DJing. Um, it just offers you a much different perspective, essentially. Like, you, you get a lot more interaction with people individually, and you're able to actually see the people that are listening to you. So in radio, it's like you're just, you know, talking to yourself in the booth. But uh, in the live atmosphere, you're actually performing, and that's it becomes a, a more interactive thing. So I only DJ vinyl at this point, which was... Also, just like a learning curve for me because I play all sorts of formats in the booth um, and I'm not like, I don't consider myself really a format snob. Like a lot of the stuff that I play was originally released on vinyl and cassette. Um, I don't like DJing with cassettes because they're just hard to handle, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I've met anyone who's like, cassette is my favorite format to DJ out. Do you remember uh, Hiss? It was this guy, Dax, did these DJ nights where it was all cassette DJs and then all the visuals were VHS-based. Mm. Um, it was kind of funny. I kind of funny. don't think I heard about that, but I've actually DJed with him before. Like okay. once, like maybe five years ago for a million. But um, yeah, uh, so <laughs> yeah, I've, I've taken the, the deep plunge into vinyl DJing and I'm still, you know, getting my grips on 
mixing. I feel like um, it's, a, it's a lifelong <laughs> learning thing, right? You're never like, I have totally mastered this. You just get better and better all the time. Like, even if you're like, you know, an ultra famous, like, ex club DJ from like the 70s or 80s, you know, like, like <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, like Jelly Bean Benitas is an example of just one of those like ultra famous DJs who like I mean you listen to their mixes and they're just like seamless and just like you don't even notice they're changing songs and everything it just becomes its own art form essentially like you're almost like creating your own music like it's with the goal of you know a really good DJ set it's just like (laughs) taking other people's sounds and sort of doing your own thing with them right but um yeah so (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be to that point, really, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm learning a lot. And uh, right now, I do mostly like synth pop and new wave and like sort of more like 80s dance oriented styles live. And that's partially because they're just more accessible and more affordable. Like um, the super rare post punk stuff that I play on my radio show, like a lot of that is just like really unattainable, like really hard to find and then really expensive when you do find it. Um, so when you're DJing vinyl, you know, uh, <laughs> you've got like several hours to go through. That can be really expensive to play a set of that type of stuff. I mean, I've done some industrial and like weird 80s like stuff where I'll play more rare records, definitely. But um, yeah, I like <laughs> I love playing all my like $2 Tello Disco records when I teach out mostly. Um, so yeah, I mostly do like 80s dance music and synth pop and new wave live. And I've been getting really into like electro, and I just saw the Italo Disco doc oh, la- last night at a Northwest for- Film Forum. It was it was great. Yeah, I mean, I I just love the genre so much, and it was great getting to to see <laughs> the actual artists, like especially with uh, electronic music. I feel like, I mean, in that era and style, there wasn't a lot of uh, faces to put with the music. It was like all very behind the scenes. Yeah. So it was interesting getting to see these people who you've never seen before at all or like you know they'll like hire a vocalist or not even a vocalist like a lip sync person (laughs) to dance and like that was really popular with that style in particular but um yeah it was cool getting to see the actual producers um talk about their music and just being surprised that people still care still care about it and it's got this like cult following now but um yeah and uh lately i've been getting really into sort of like late 80s like proto rave music which kind of like shocks people i think they're like uh where's all like where's your scrappy post-punk you know i used to play like anarcho post-punk on my radio show and now it's like i don't know sort of proto techno and people i don't know i i really like playing a, a wide variety of things and just being constantly like stimulated by new musical ideas and everything so it feels like a natural trajectory for me to go into a more electronic realm um but yeah right now i'm prepping an acid house set um that i'm really excited about it's all like late 80s very early 90s (laughs) i'm super particular with these sort of genres because once you get further into the 90s uh, the quality definitely yeah yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's what mostly people think about when they think of rave music because that's when the culture really took off but um when you look at the the origins of rave music though um there's actually a lot of really interesting experimental music happening um just like the development of of acid house in in the uk in the late 80s um and how that was actually it was a genre that people were afraid of at the time because it was something they didn't understand um they actually banned it on radio in the uk so uh yeah you the only way you could have access to the music was through like underground sources right through like word of mouth and just like finding these like weird warehouse parties which eventually became raves but anyway (laughs) yeah so uh lately i've been getting really into more like electronic and dance oriented music particularly for my live sets because the music is just really fun to interact with and uh, just like has a great energy to keep sustained for for the live audience i mean i like playing weird music for people live too but it's just a different sort of feeling which i mean i'm not like (laughs) i don't go to raves i've never been to a rave (laughs) but but it's definitely uh taken on a different meaning at this point but anyway i'm talking about rave music a lot now (laughs) yeah that's not our target audience but uh so Brittany. Let's uh, let's say someone just listen to this. 
they just downloaded the podcast, they just listened to this, and they can't wait for your next show. What's a recommendation? What's something they can look up right now and listen to? What is like a, a perfect um, secret meanings of things song? <laughs> well, I've been listening to a lot of synth pop lately, particularly anything that sounds like Depeche Mode. I've just been eating it up. And <laughs> fortunately, there, there were a ton of bands that formed after Depeche Mode that were really just like harping on that sound just like we are gonna try to sound exactly like Depeche Mode it's like I can never get enough of it I want all the bands (laughs) that sound like Depeche Mode so uh yeah one of them I've I've talked about this band quite a bit before but uh they released this record in Germany called Pictures of Reality and they're called The New Scientists and if you look this record up it has like I don't even know what the numbers are, but it is like highly sought out because it is just like jam after jam, like everything should have been a hit at the time. And the the melodies are just like instantly accessible and catchy and also just like have like a really sort of different driving force beneath them. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I would definitely recommend The New Scientists um, if you're looking for really bright synth pop. And um, they sort of like spun off into the side project Cunning Toy and released the single Searching um, after that as well. I believe that was the the only single they ever released, but that was 1987, so a year or two later um, after Pictures of Reality. But yeah, synth pop (laughs) all the time. Have you ever gone to Haunted Goat Yoga? <laughs> Are you stalking me on the internet? <laughs> I, I'm just, just answering my question. And uh, what was it like? <laughs> yes. So I did go to that event. Uh, <laughs> Please explain to our listeners what Haunted right, Goat right. Yoga so, is. Uh, oh, so there's this place called the Wobbly Ranch in Snohomish. And they host a, a yoga series. I believe it's weekly with... The goats that live there and it's a sanctuary so it's rescued goats from primarily like the meat and dairy industries right um so it's like a, it's a non-profit actually i don't know about that you should cut that out. <laughs> i think they are but anyway so yeah um yeah it's a it's rescued goats and you hang out in the barn with these goats <laughs> and do yoga and they just sort of like meander and like lick your toes and just like (laughs) lay on you or just like chill on your mat and you're like this isn't really a yoga class but it's silly and fun thing Um, do they try to eat into your clothes they left my clothes alone that's good um, but it seems like actually the hat you're wearing right now that would be like prime (laughs) I'm wearing a straw hat right now you guys Uh, (laughs) I I think imagine a goat would see that and be like that looks really tasty (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I try to avoid wearing wide-brimmed straw hats when I'm doing yoga, but uh, <laughs> but um, that's what I've been doing wrong this whole time. <laughs> it's it's the trick. It's the secret. We'll all be yoga masters now. Um, but yeah, it was it was really fun. I went there for their haunted goat yoga series in in October of last year, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, the goats were all really sweet. I was the last person to leave because I'm like, I don't know. I'm just a goat freak, you guys. I really love goats. <laughs> uh, yeah, everyone knows now. <laughs> they, they are super sweet, though. Like, a lot of people don't really understand, uh, like, how to interact with farm animals. Or they think yeah. they're just sort of like, they're not like their pets or whatever. Like, they sort of distance themselves from them because they don't interact with them on a normal basis. But... I mean, they love to snuggle, they're, like, super friendly, like, I held this goat, and it was, like, obviously super into it, like, it did not want me to put it down at Aww. all. But, yeah, I love goats. <laughs> Have you heard of the Goat Olympics? Yes, I keep really wanting to go to that, um, but it's always on a day that I'm, like, just doing something else. I think it just happened. Yeah, right? it did. Yeah. It was it was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. It was July 14th, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, that was the date. <laughs> Uh, so you said that you know you have copies of the secret meaning of things um, up to listen to online. Are there any tapes of Kitty Parade? <laughs> oh, so I had uh, my first ever radio show in college was called the Kitten Parade. Kitten Parade, sorry, yeah, close. Uh, but it was an indie pop show, and I mostly played like eighties, like jangly, sort of like 
proto twee. Mm. Um, but that's there was also a lot of post punk and sort of like just C eighty six style on that, which I don't really play a lot of on my show now. But occasionally I dabble. Like I still like that. I'm just so all over the place with my genres. There's just so much to explore. So I try to mix it up a lot. But um, yeah. So I don't actually have any of the archives for that. It was uh. It was archived weekly on um, Rainy Dog Radio was the station at UW mm-hmm. that was on. Um, and it was like up there on a weekly basis, like you could listen to it afterwards. But I don't think they <laughs> keep any sort of like extensive like archives through time, you yeah. know, unfortunately. I would love to hear them. And I, I don't, just don't think I was knowledgeable enough or like confident enough to really like get into archiving it. Like, I was like my first foray into radio, so it's just like it didn't occur to me that anyone would need to hear that later or anything, you know, or would want to. (laughs) Were you nervous the first time after it was archived that you went back and listened to, like, listening to your own voice? It was definitely weird at first, yeah, for sure, and um, especially in the beginning because I used to talk a lot more on my show. It was. Do you give advice and stuff? No, <laughs> definitely callers. have never done that. Um, I, I tried to take a caller once and I was like, I told them they were going to be on air and they immediately hung up on me. <laughs> you know, I get it. You're nervous. But um, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe I should solicit some callers. You know, I, some European. Yeah, who knows oh, what yeah. they'll say. They're falling through Skype. <laughs> oh, man. I don't, I don't know how that would work. But um, yeah. I don't remember what I was talking about. <laughs> and none of us do. Uh, okay, so let's say you sell the rights to The Secret Meaning of Things to Universal Studios. Who would play you in the movie? Who would you want, so, like a contemporary actor now, to play you in the movie version? Hmm. Okay, so the movie version. Mm-hmm. I guess this confuses me because it's a radio show. But it's like, it's like the story <laughs> of it. It's like, you know, like one, you know, woman's goal to be on low power FM radio. I'm sure this would sell out it's many theaters. Oh, sure. this, this sounds like a focus feature. Yeah. Uh, if there ever well, was one. It's the, I mean, you were the face of Mixed Cloud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. for at least three months. It was up there forever. So, um, but I mean, Three months on the internet is forever. Yeah, it is. Like, I kept on expecting it to go away, and I'm just like, nope, still there. There I am. But, uh, yeah, so, <laughs> I guess, I mean, I'm not sure who would want to uh, watch this movie. That's not the question. Well, um, you know, I don't know a lot about contemporary actors. I'm, I'm not really, like, a film buff or anything. Uh, people have told me I look like Gina Davis since the beginning of time. Um, oh. I, used I would to... <laughs> love to see Gina Davis now playing you. Yeah. Um, they're always like, you, you look like a really young Gina Davis. I used to work at a restaurant, and people would sometimes tell me this multiple times at night. And <laughs> after a while, they were like, do you know who you look like? And I'm just like, yes, yes, I do, actually. Thanks. <laughs> I, I mean, at first it was like a super flattering compliment, right? Like Gina Davis is like ultra babe, right? Like no one's like going to be really upset about that. <laughs> but it was just like, I just want to look like me. Also, uh, they were sometimes really mean about it in a weird way. Like, <laughs> like, do you know who you look like? And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, they You're say like, Gina mom, Davis. And then this one guy was like, oh, like, I'm going to call up Hollywood and tell them you're here waiting tables. And I was like, you know, you're making me feel really great about my life decisions right now. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I, I guess I'm going with that. I don't know. Sure. That sounds uh, great. Really, I, think, like, I think she it, could do some work. It, sure. it should be, like, a lizard wearing, like, some lipstick or something. Like, not, like, just, like, a weird reptile or something. Oh, Is that an option? reptilians in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get to the people who do Jurassic Park. Maybe like a combination of Gina Davis and a lizard is my answer. <laughs> so, so your radio show is on. I see Gina Davis as a lizard. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's that one scene in Beetlejuice where they make their faces look all weird. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, I get Gina Davis as one of my all-time favorite movies. Okay, so ten to midnight is your show. That means you're that means you're you're pulling some late hours. What is your favorite place in Seattle to get coffee? Ooh, 
You know, I very recently just uh, went back to drinking coffee. I quit for like several years. Okay, perfect. So what, what was the first place? What was the first place? I mostly get it from the weirdly fancy espresso machine in my office. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like one of those automated things and it can like choose from all these different espresso drinks. You can make like cappuccinos and like... Uh... <laughs> but where, okay, so where, not, where like can the public go? Okay, so all, all your fans, from, all your fans from Europe are are coming over. Mm-hmm. They're flying over, and they they want they want to go where Brittany gets her coffee. Mm, I like Vivace a lot, which is just like around the the corner from here. Yes. Um, That's but good. That's great. yeah, I mean, I'm not like a coffee buff or anything, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't European fans, yeah. go to check Vivace. that out. Check out <laughs> Where do you get your coffee? My favorite place Actually, you know what? We are running out of time. Uh, I'm really sorry. Uh, the next show has to get into the studio, so we have to leave. Daniel, thank you for co-hosting. Uh, thanks, thanks good, Danny. Thanks, uh, thanks for uh, working on my bike, too. Uh, I haven't done it yet. Okay. Uh, I told you it takes as long as you want. So. <laughs> oh, uh, I want I want to thank Brittany for coming on. Uh, please uh, listen to her show on Hollow Earth Radio. You want to give a last plug? Yeah, I host a radio show on Hollow Earth Radio. If you haven't been paying attention, uh, it's called. The the it, oh, I know, I know, I'm getting there. Uh, <laughs> it's called the Secret Meaning of Things, and it broadcasts Tuesday nights, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific time, on HollowEarthRadio.org, 104.9 FM, and all the time on Mixcloud. So you just type in Secret Meaning of Things into the search. Well, it's actually under my name oh, right now. That's it's a just... bad thing. Oh, <laughs> well, you said that you're worried about like people like finding oh, you on social yeah. media and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually about to change it though, so maybe I should just reflect. I'm gonna be okay. So right now it's under my name, Brittany Fuller, um, but I will be changing it to, to Fox Nistra, which I didn't even mention this whole time. But that is my DJ name. <laughs> Um, so you'll be able to find it under Vox Sinistra now. Great. All right. Thank you. Uh, and we'll see you next week.